Chapter Ten of the Wanderer, or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties, by Fanny Burney. Chapter Ten. The incognita continued to devote herself to needlework till the morning of the next rehearsal. She was then again called to the double task of prompting and of reading the part of Lady Townley, Miss Arab having unceremoniously announced that as she had already performed that character three several times, and to the most brilliant audiences, though at private theatres, any further practice for herself would be a work of supererogation and if the company, she added, would but be so good as to remember her directions, she need only attend personally at the final rehearsal. The whole party was much offended by this insinuation of its inferiority, as well as by so contemptuous an indifference to the prosperity of the enterprise. Nor was this the only difficulty caused by the breach of attendance in Miss Arb. The entertainment was to conclude with a cotillion, of which Ireton had brought the newest steps and method from France, but which, through this unexpected failure, the set was incomplete for practising. Eleanor was persuaded that in keeping the whole group thus imperfect, both in the play and in the dance, it was the design of Miss Arb to expose them all to ridicule, that her own fine acting and fine steps might be contrasted to the greater advantage. To obviate, as much as possible, this suspected malice, the stranger was now requested to stand up with them, for as she was so lately come from abroad, they concluded that she might know something of the matter. They were not mistaken. The steps, the figure, the time, all were familiar to her, and she taught the young Selina, dropped hints to Elinor, endeavoured to set Miss Bidle right, and gave a general, though unpremeditated, lesson to every one by the measured grace and lightness of her motions, which little as her attire was adapted to such a purpose, were equally striking for elegance and for modesty. Harleigh, however, alone perceived her excellence. The rest had so much to learn, or were so anxious to shine, that if occasionally they remarked her, it was rather to be diverted by seeing any one dance so ill-equipped, than to be struck with the elevated carriage which no such disadvantage could conceal. Early on the morning preceding the intended representation, the stranger was summoned to the destined theatre, where, while she was aiding the general preparations of dresses, decorations, and scenery, previous to the last grand rehearsal, which, in order to try the effect of the illuminations, was fixed to take place in the evening, Mrs. Maple, with derision marked in every feature of her face, stalked into the room to announce to her niece, with unbridled satisfaction, that all her fine vagaries would now end in nothing, as Miss Arb, at last, had the good sense to refuse affording them her countenance. Elinor, though too much enraged to inquire what this meant, soon perforce learnt that an old gentleman, a cousin of Miss Arb's, had ridden over with an apology, importing that the most momentous reasons, yet such as could not be divulged, obliged his relation to decline the pleasure of belonging to their dramatic party. The offence given by this abrupt renunciation was so general, 
though Elinor alone allowed it free utterance, that Mr. Giles Arb, the bearer of these evil tidings, conceived it to be more advisable to own the plump truth he said at once, than to see them also affronted without knowing what for. Though he begged them not to mention it, his cousin having peremptorily charged him not to speak out, but the fact was that she had repented her engagement ever since the first rehearsal for though she should always be ready to act with the miss jodrells who were nieces to a baronet and mr harleigh who was nephew to a peer and mr ireton who was heir to a large entailed estate she was yet apprehensive that it might let her down in the opinion of the noble theatrical society to which she belonged if she were seen exhibiting with such common persons as farmers and domestics with whom, however, for all his cousin's nicety, Mr. Giles said he thought to be full as good men as any other, and sometimes considerably better. Mrs. Maple was elevating into the highest triumph by this explanation. "'I told you how it would be,' she cried. "'Young ladies acting with mere mob. I am truly rejoiced that Miss Arb has given you the slip.' Elinor heard this with a resentment that determined her, more vehemently than ever, not to abandon her project. She proudly, therefore, returned thanks by Mr. Giles for the restoration of the part, which she had resigned in mere complaisance, as there was nothing in the world she so much desired as to act it herself, even though it must be now learnt in the course of a day and she begged leave, as a mark that she was not offended at the desertion, to borrow the dress of the character, which she knew to be ready, and with which she would adorn herself the following night, at the performance. This last clause, she was well aware, would prove the most provoking that she could devise to Miss Arb, who was renowned for being finically tenacious of her attire. But Elinor would neither add a word to her message, nor suffer one to be taken from it and when Mr. Giles Arb, frightened at the ill-success of his confidence, would have offered some apology, she drove him from the house, directing a trusty person in the neighbourhood to accompany him back, with positive orders not to return without the dress. She then told the stranger to study the part of Lady Wronghead, to fill up the chasm. The stranger began some earnest excuses, but they were lost in the louder exclamations of Mrs. Maple whose disappointment in finding the scheme still supported was aggravated into rage by the unexpected proposition of admitting the stranger into the set what miss jodrell she cried is it not enough that you have made us a byword in the neighbourhood by wanting to act with farmers and servants must you also bring a family girl into your set an illegitimate stroller who does not so much as know her own name the stranger deeply reddening gravely answered Far from wishing to enter into any plan of amusement, I could not have given my consent to it, even if solicited. "'Nobody asks what you could have done, I hope,' Mrs. Maple began, when Elinor, pushing the stranger into a large light closet, and throwing the part after her, shut the door, charging her not to lose a moment, in getting ready for the final rehearsal that very evening. The incognita, fixed not to look at the manuscript, now heard, perforce, a violent quarrel between the aunt and the niece, the former protesting that she would never agree to such a disgrace as suffering a poor straggling pauper to mix herself publicly with their society, and the latter threatening that, if forced to grant such a triumph to Miss Arb as that of tamely relinquishing the undertaking, she would leave the country and settle at once in France and in the house of Robespierre himself. 
Harleigh, who, in a hasty and dashing, but masterly manner, was colouring some scenery, had hitherto been silent. But now, advancing, he proposed, as a compromise, that the performance should be deferred for a week, in which time Miss Sycamore, a young lady at Bright Helmstone, whom they all knew, would learn, he doubted not, the part, and supply, with pleasure, the vacant place. To this Mrs. Maple, finding no hope remained that she could abolish the whole project, was sullenly assenting, when Elinor reproachfully exclaimed, "'What, Don Quixote, is your spirit of chivalry thus cooled? And are you, too, for rejecting with all this scorn the fellow-voyager you were so strenuous to support?' "'Scorn,' repeated Harleigh. "'No, I regard her, rather, with reverence. Tis she herself that has declined the part, and with the dignity that does her honour. All she suffers to be discerned of her, announces distinguished merit, and yet, highly as I have conceived of her character, she is unknown to us, except by her distresses. And these, though they call loudly for our sympathy and assistance, and, through the propriety of her conduct, lay claim to our respect, may be thought insufficient by the world, to justify Mrs. Maple, who has two young ladies so immediately under her care, for engaging a perfect stranger, in a scheme which has no reference to humanity, or good offices. "'Aha, Mr. Harleigh,' cried Ireton, shaking his head, "'you are afraid of what she may turn out. You think no better of her at last than I do.' "'I think, on the contrary, so well of her,' answered Harleigh, "'that I am sincerely sorry to see her thus haughtily distanced. I often wish these ladies would as generously, as I doubt not that they might safely, invite her into their private society.' kindness such as that might produce a confidence, which revolts from public and abrupt inquiry, and which, I would nearly engage my life, would prove her innocence and worth, and vindicate every trust. He then begged them to consider, that, should their curiosity and suspicions work upon her spirits, till she were urged to reveal, prematurely, the secret of her situation, they would themselves be the first to condemn her for folly and imprudence if breaking up the mystery of her silence should affect either her happiness or her safety. Mrs. Maple would have been inconsolable at a defence against which she had nothing positive to object, had she not reaped some comfort from finding that even Harleigh opposed including the stranger in the acting circle. The delay of the performance and an application to Miss Sycamore seemed now settled, when Mrs. Fenn, the housekeeper, who was also aiding in the room, lamented the trouble to be renewed for the supper preparations, as neither the fish, nor the pastry, nor sundry other articles, could keep. This was a complaint to which Mrs. Maple was by no means deaf. The invitations also were made. The drawing-room was given up for the theatre. Another apartment was appropriated for a green-room and there was not any chance that the house could be restored to order, nor the maids to their usual occupations, till this business were finally over. Her rancour now suddenly relented, with regard to the stranger, and, to the astonishment of every one, she stopped Harleigh from riding over to Bright Helmstone, to apply to Miss Sycamore, by concedingly saying that, since Mr. Harleigh had really so good an opinion of the young woman who came from France, she must confess that she had herself, of late, taken a much better notion of her, by finding that she was so excellent a needlewoman, and, therefore, she did not see why they should send for so finical a person as Miss Sycamore, who was full of airs and extravagance, to begin all over again, and disappoint so much company, 
when they had a body in the house who might do one of the parts, so as to pass amongst the rest, without being found out for what she was. Harleigh expressed his doubts whether the young person herself, who was obviously in very unpleasant circumstances, might choose to be brought forward in so public an amusement. The gentleness of Mrs. Maple was now converted into choler, and she desired to know whether a poor wretch such as that, who had her meat, drink, and lodging for nothing, should be allowed to choose anything for herself one way or another. Elinor, dropping, though not quite distinctly, some sarcastical reflections upon the persistence of Harleigh in preferring Miss Sycamore to his Dulcinea, retired to her room to study the part of Lady Townley, saying that she should leave them full powers, to wrangle amongst themselves, for that of Lady Wronghead. Harleigh, who had not seen the stranger turned into the closet, now entered it, in search of a pencil. Not a little was then his surprise to find her sketching, upon the back of a letter, a view of the hills, downs, cottages, and cattle, which formed the prospect from the window. It was beautifully executed, and undoubtedly from nature. Harleigh, with mingled astonishment and admiration, clasped his hands, and energetically exclaimed, "'Accomplished creature! Who and what are you?' Confused, she blushed, and folded up her little drawing. He seemed almost equally embarrassed himself, at the expression and the question which had escaped him. Mrs. Maple, following, paradingly told the stranger, that, as she had hemmed the last cambric handkerchiefs so neatly, she might act, upon this particular occasion, with the Miss Jodrells, only first premising that she must not own to a living soul her being such a poor forlorn creature, as the only way to avoid disgrace to themselves, amongst their acquaintance, for admitting her, would be to say that she was a young lady of family, who came over with them from France. To the last clause the stranger calmly answered that she could offer no objection, in a manner which, to the attentive Harleigh, clearly indicated that it was true, but that, with respect to performing, she was in a situation too melancholy, if not disastrous, to be capable of making any such attempt. Mrs. Maple was so angry at this presumption that she replied, "'Do as you are ordered, or leave my house directly,' and then walked, in high wrath, away." The stranger appeared confounded. She felt an almost resistless impulse to depart immediately. But something stronger than resentment told her to stay. It was distress. She paused a moment, and then, with a sigh, took up the part, and, without looking at Harleigh, who was too much shocked to offer any palliation for this grossness, walked pensively to her chamber. She was soon joined by Elinor, who, in extreme ill-humour, complained that that odious Lady Townley was so intolerably prolix that there was no getting her endless babbling by heart at such short notice, and that, but for the triumph which it would afford to Miss Arbe, to find out their embarrassment, and the spite that it would gratify in Aunt Maple, the whole business should be thrown up at once. Sooner, however, than be conquered, either by such impertinence, or such malignity, she would abandon Lady Townley to the prompter, whom Miss Arbe might have the surprise and amusement to dizzen out in her fine attire. Then, declaring that she hated and would not act with Miss Sycamore, who was a creature of insolence and conceit, she flung the part of Lady Townley to the incognita, saying that she must abide herself by that of Lady Wronghead, 
a name which she was well merited to keep for the rest of her life from her inconceivable mismanagement of the whole affair. The stranger earnestly entreated exemption from the undertaking, and solicited the intercession of Elinor with Mrs. Maple, to soften the hard sentence denounced against her refusal. To act such a character as that of Lady Townley, she should have thought formidable, if not impossible, even in her gayest moments. But now, in a situation the most helpless, and with every reason to wish for obscurity, the exertion would be the most cruel that could be exacted. Elinor, however, listened only to herself. Miss Arb must be mortified, Mrs. Maple must be thwarted, and Miss Sycamore must be omitted. These three things, she declared, were indispensable, and could only be accomplished by defying all obstacles, and performing the comedy upon the appointed day. The stranger now saw no alternative between obsequiously submitting, or immediately relinquishing her asylum. How might she find another? She knew not where even to seek her friend, and no letter was arrived from abroad. There was no resource. She decided upon studying the part. This was not difficult. She had read it at three rehearsals, and had carefully copied it. But she acquired it mechanically, because unwillingly, and while she got the words by rote, scarcely took their meaning into consideration. When called down, at night, to the grand final rehearsal, she gave equal surprise to Harleigh, from finding her already perfect in so long a part, and from hearing her repeated with a tameness almost lifeless. At the scene of reconciliation in the last act, he took her hand, and slightly kissed the glove. Ireton called out, "'Embrace! Embrace! The peacemaking is always decided at the theatre, by an embrace. You must throw your arms lovingly over one another's shoulders.' Harleigh did not advance, but he looked at the stranger, and the blush upon her cheeks showed her wholly unaccustomed even to the mention of any personal liberty. Ireton, however, still insisting, he laughingly excused himself, by declaring that he must do by Lord Townley as he would do by himself, and he never meant, should he marry, to be tender to his wife before company. Mrs. Maple now, extremely anxious for her own credit, told all the servants that she had just discovered that the stranger who came from France was a young lady of consequence, and she desired that they would make a report to that effect throughout the neighbourhood, and in the new playbills which were now written, she suffered to see inserted Lady Townley by Miss Ellis. Harleigh was the first to address the stranger by this name, previously taking an opportunity, with an air of friendly regard, to advise that she would adopt it, till she thought right to declare her own. She thanked him gratefully for his counsel, confessing that she had long felt the absurdity of seeming nameless, and adding, "'But I had made no preparation for what I so little expected, as the length of time in which I have been kept in this almost unheard-of situation, and the hourly hope of seeing it end, made me decide to spare myself, at least by silence, from deceit. The look of Harleigh showed his approbation of her motive, while his words strengthened her conviction, that it must now give way to the necessity of some denomination. "'Be it Ellis, then,' she said, smiling, "'though evasion may, perhaps, be yet meaner than falsehood.' Nevertheless, I am rather more contented to make use of this name, which accident has bestowed upon me, than positively to invent one for myself. Ellis, therefore, which appellation now will be substituted for that of the incognita, 
seeing no possibility of escaping this exhibition, comforted herself, that, however repugnant it might be to her inclinations, and her sense of propriety, it gave her, at least, some chance, during the remainder of her stay at Lewes, of being treated with less indignity. End of chapter 10 Recording by Roxana Nazari